Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt the Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message. I'd like to share a few words with you this morning, and I was praying about this, and, you know, we've, we've had some really good studies lately. You know, if you've been coming to the Tuesday nights, we've, we've talked about the fall feasts. We talked about um, them in general the first night, and then the next night we talked about Yom Kippur. What's the big deal? And, and, and we came to the conclusion it is a big deal. And uh, if you didn't have a chance to, to go to that class, that's okay. I am going to touch on a few of those things, so some of it will kind of expand on, and some of it will be a little bit new. Uh, the message that I'd like to share with you this morning is titled, The Five W's and One H of Yom Kippur. Again, it's the five W's and one H of Yom Kippur. Um, something that I think is important that we keep in mind is God has a set time. This is an appointment from God. This isn't something that we just made up and said, you know, I think this would be a great time. Why don't we meet at the flagpole? Let's all get together and let's have prayer, you know? Nothing against that. I think that's great when people want to do those things. Our people say, let's get together as a nation. Well, I'll tell you, this is a worldwide day that the Lord has made, amen? And, and you think about it, there's a timing to all these things. And it, I started thinking back about time, how important it is, you know, and it's kind of hard because I don't really wear a watch. I know some of you do, some of you don't, but I do, I do keep track of time. I try to so that we could all be here today, right? I was thinking about this. Uh, I remember when I was younger, my father, he shared with me his, his father gave him a watch. Actually, it was a watch that he inherited. His father died at a very young age, and he got this beautiful watch. It's pure gold, beautiful band, all these wonderful intricacies to it, and and he showed me on the front, it had this pearl face. All the time was very unique. It had little marks. It didn't have numbers like you had to know how to tell time. Something, I don't know, does anybody remember how to tell time like that? It's becoming very archaic, but it's still a beautiful thing to know how to do. And then he opened up the back. I thought the watch was beautiful. Doesn't that sound beautiful just the way it is? I mean, it's a piece of jewelry. It's art. And he opened up the back and he showed me inside there's rubies in there and diamonds in there and just all the little intricacies of the gears and how everything moved. It was so perfect, fine craftsmanship. And I started thinking about that as we need to keep track of time. Well, God also has a watch too, doesn't he? You know, if you take a look in Genesis 1.14, it says... Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So in other words, we don't have gold. And the way he made the world work is we have the sun for the day. We have the moon for the months. We have all these stars for signs and seasons. I mean, how much more beautiful is that? Has anyone ever looked up into the sky day or night and just said, wow, that's our creator 
and he's made a way for us to keep track of time. And if you go back to that verse, if you could put that up on the screen. Thank you. Yeah, if you look at that word, it says seasons. Well, you can look these things up, and there's a, a great source. It's called the Brown Driver Briggs Dictionary. It's a lexicon. Anybody heard of that? That is not a law firm if you've been in an accident. It sounds like it, the hyphenated words. It's not. It's a wonderful source. And if you look up that word seasons, it's actually Moedim. Can you say Moedim? Moedim is actually an appointment time. That's what we're doing today. We're having an appointment time with the Lord. And this is his time. He says, I'm going to be here. I hope you show up, you know. And I'm glad that you all made the choice to be here. I know some people would love to be here and they're not able to, but you've made a great choice. And I would like to look at that in Leviticus 23, verses 1 and 2. If you were here last night, we did talk on this, but I think it's important to review. Leviticus 23, 1 and 2 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Notice what it says there. What is those last few words? Say them with me. These are my feasts. You know, we, as Jewish people, we, we've continued to do this for years, right? This is a, a Jewish holiday, but I will tell you, it's the Lord's day, isn't it? And that same word, if you look in verse 2, it says my feasts. You can go back into the lexicon and look again. What does it say? Moedim. Moedim. It has nothing to do with feasting, obviously. Did anyone have a great breakfast this morning? I had someone actually offer me an imaginary food today, and I gladly accepted. And I started to take a bite, and I said, you know what? We've still got to do a blessing and thank the Lord. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but obviously, we, we should anoint our faces with oil and be joyful about this, right? It's a blessing. I can tell you there's a few benefits of fasting. One, you don't have to do the dishes today, right? If you do dishes, you, you appreciate that. Um, another thing is you have more time to do other things like worship the Lord. You're not, you're not so busy with some of these things. It, food seems so important, but when you start fasting, it's actually a joy not to be so wrapped up into these things. So you can see that it has a lot to do with an appointment. So now that we've clarified that, you know, Leviticus 23 is God's calendar. If you read through Leviticus 23, it breaks down all of his appointments. And, and you, one thing I like to do, hopefully you guys can see this from back there. This is a menorah, right? It actually breaks down his feast days right here. You have them all right here. You've got Pesach, right? You've got unleavened bread. You've also got the um, day of first fruits. You've got um, Shavuot, right? You've got... Um, Help me out, guys. Yom Teruah, right? We've got, um, what are we in today? Yom Kippur, right? And then we also have Shavuot, right? And then don't forget the first one, which actually could go over here. It's what? Shabbat, right? Shabbat's the first one. I like to do Shabbat here, and then you can put right up here, you got Shavuot, which is really when we receive the Ruach HaKodesh, and holy in God is spirit. It's a beautiful way to help you remember the calendar. It's a great way to remember Leviticus 23. Is it starts with Shabbat, it goes to Pesach, and it goes all the way to Shavuot, which we're coming up on soon. So if we look in Leviticus 23, we're going to go to where we're at today, which is Yom Kippur. Leviticus 23, verses 26 through 32 it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also, the tenth day of this seventh month, which is in Tishrei, right? We're in Tishrei right now, shall be the day of atonement, the day of affliction, Yom Kippur. It shall be a holy convocation 
for you and you shall afflict your souls. Offer an offering made by fire to the Lord and you shall do no work on that day for it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statue forever. Throughout your generations, in all of your dwellings, it shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. And you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening. From evening to evening, you shall celebrate that's a strong word. Well, I think we can appreciate the celebration of what we've talked about, but celebrate your Sabbath. So as I mentioned to you earlier, I wanted to talk about the five W's and the one H of Yom Kippur. Well, if you really break it down, the first one is what, right? We've got who, what, when, where, why, and how sometimes. So the first one is what? Well, what are we doing? We're celebrating Yom Kippur, this day of atonement. It's considered to be the most holy day of the year. You know, starting in the month of Elul, we start counting, right, the 40 days. It's a time of repentance. And as we come into Yom Teruah, it's to awaken us spiritually, right, to have a spiritual awakening. We start the 10 days of awe. And as we're doing this, this is a time of reflection. It's a time of repentance, and it's a time of preparing to meet with the Lord. Well, the second W is the when. So when is this? It's 9 Tishrei, right? We started last night at sundown, and it goes into 10 Tishrei, or the seventh month, at sundown. You know, here at Rosh Pinah, we, we use the, the Jewish calendar. If you don't have one, I highly recommend getting one. You know, you can use the communique. It's helpful. But if you want to be on the same page with everyone here, and really everyone worldwide, get, get a Jewish calendar. It makes a big difference. It makes us all work one together, too. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is the third W, and that's the who. You know, this is the Lord's appointed day, and it, and it to meet with the children of Israel and all those who are connected with them. Uh, there was a class we had last Tuesday, and Rabbi Michael was talking about how many have actually been and to Israel during Yom Kippur. Anybody ever been there during that time? It's quite a few of you. It's a different situation, isn't it? And, and Rabbi Michael was sharing this. I've never been, but what he shared, I think, is worth sharing with you if you haven't heard it. The whole country shuts down. You know, not everybody there is Jewish, right? You have people of all different faiths there, and the airport shuts down, and noise pollution shuts down, and everything's really calm to a different set, and it just goes to show that it doesn't matter who's there with you. The Lord said to do this. It's in your dwellings. It's in your place. That's their country. They, they're doing it, and it's exciting that Israel is coming back to the land, isn't it? That's a huge blessing. Very exciting. Uh, if we continue on, um, that's the fourth W. It's kind of what we're talking about. Where? Well, it's where the Lord's put his name. You know, it first started in the tabernacle, right? In the wilderness. He, they were supposed to do it there, and then it went into the temple at some point and beyond. You know, today, here we are. This is where the Lord's told us to come, right? And we're gathered together, you know, throughout the earth. It doesn't matter where you live in all your dwellings is what the Scripture said. So here in our community, this is the place where God's called us to be. So the one H that I wanted to talk about was the how. Well, how do we celebrate the holiest Sabbath day of the year? Well, it says that we're to have a holy convocation. You know, this is not an individual event. You know, if you think, well, I'll just stay home and fast and do what I want, it doesn't read like that, does it? And in fact, it, repentance is something we do individually every day, I hope, right? 
This is a collective activity that we're doing that the Lord has ordained and, and called for all of us to do. So, you know, this is true for all the appointed days. They're corporate events. It's a time to meet with the Lord and to gather together in his body. You know, another thing it says on how to do this. So the first one was we have a holy convocation. The next one is we're to afflict our souls. You know, many choose to fast. Some food and water, some just food. Some will fast from media. You know, that's one of those things. It's, it's, it's a choice of yours on how you do that. I'm not here to tell you exactly. It doesn't specifically say, but it does seem to point. You know, it is a time of giving up food, which is a great way to afflict your souls. But if, you know, if you've got issues with your health and you, if you don't eat, I mean, does that make sense? We need to preserve our life, right? So as you go through, think about that. So holy convocation, afflict your souls. The other thing, it says to do no work. This is a time of rest. And, you know, this can be really easy for some of us. But for some of us, this is very difficult. You know, today, the alarm went off, right? Maybe for some of us, it went off to get up. For some people, it's the starting bell, right? Maybe they're into trading, and if people are into trading, a lot of times they're up hours before this starts, right? This is a big deal to have to sit still for 24 hours. That's a tough thing. So keep that in mind. You know, this is a, a time to really reset and see where should our focus be with the Lord, and, and we should be resting in Him. As I mentioned before, it's not something we just do at home. The other thing that I want to talk about here, and it will consume a lot of what I want to share with you today, it's an offering made by fire. You know, if we look again, it says in Leviticus 16, verses 1 and 2, Adonai spoke with Moshe after the death of Aharon's two sons. This is what we just read over there in the Hebrew and in the English. You know, there's a correct way to do things. You can't just bring unauthorized fire to the Lord. He wants it to be a certain way, right? It didn't work out well for them, and it's brought out here that it was after the death, and that's when they tried to sacrifice before Adonai and died. Adonai said to Moshe, this is in verse 2, tell your brother Aharon not to come at just any time into the holy place beyond the curtain in front of the ark, which covered the ark, so that he will not die. So you see, it's really important. We can't just approach the Lord the way we want to. There's a certain way of doing things. And this last part's really important. It says, because I appear in the cloud over the ark. So if you go into Leviticus 16, and I'm going to kind of break that down today. That was one of my main focuses. Well, how does the high priest deal with all this stuff? It's a, it's a heavy task. I mean, first of all, look at what Aaron went through. He just lost his sons not too long ago, and now he's got to go do this? That's tough. If you've ever lost a son, I have. It's not an easy thing to keep going on with life. And here he is going on, and he's, he's being told he's got to do things a certain way. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about this. So if you look at the whole chapter of Leviticus, we don't have time to go through all of it, but I want to give you some of the great details, the high priest duties. You know, he couldn't come to the Holy Holies whenever he wanted. It was during this day. This is the only time that he was allowed to come. And he had to put on special clothes, which Christopher had shared with us early. He had to put on all these linen clothes, right, and change his clothes before he even went into the Holy of Holies. Well, once he did all this, then he had to sacrifice a bull, well, the bull was for his family and for himself, right? That was just the first part. So he would have to, he'd have to wash first. He'd have to put on these linens. He had to have the bull. He'd have to take the blood of the bull all the way inside the holies, all the way into the holy of holies. And then he would have to take it and put it on his finger and sprinkle it on the ark seven times. But you know what he had to do before he even did that? He had to get the incense. 
He had to offer praises, right? He had to get a censer. He had to get the coals and put them in there and take that and to fill that whole place with the cloud just so that he wouldn't look upon the Lord. I mean, this is who we're talking about, the Lord here, beyond this veil, right? And he had to go into that place and offer that smoke. Then he had to offer blood from the bulls for his family, right? The blood from the bull. And then there was more. He had to take a ram for a burnt offering, but he also had to take these two male goats. And he had to draw lots, right? And one of them was, I guess you could say lucky. I don't like to use the word luck. You guys like the word luck? It's not a good word. It's, you know, that's, the Lord told him to draw lots. So one of the, them would have to be sacrificed. The other one would go free. So they would take the blood of that goat, and then they would have to put it on his finger, and he'd have to go in and sprinkle it seven times. Well, it's even more involved in this. I'm giving you highlights. Honestly, he had to take the blood of the bull, put it on the ark, he had to put it on the tent of the meeting, and he had to put it on the altar. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? And you heard what happened to his sons. You think he might be taking this seriously? You know, God's given us a lot of commandments. Are we taking them seriously? You know, that's something that we want to reflect on. We're in this time of repentance. You know, we went through Achet and all these different um, I guess, ways of repenting last night. And some of those you read through and you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me. But then the very next one, you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Yes, I need repentance for that, right? You go down this list. I think all of us, I would be shocked if someone in here, come see me afterwards if you didn't have anything on that list last night because you have to tell me how you did that. I, I need some help. I think as human beings, it's challenging, isn't it? But when you go through that list, so he had to do that with the bull, but then he also had to do that with the goat, and that was for the people. And all the sins were pronounced over that other goat or, uh, for the people. And then another person would take that goat out into the wilderness and let it go. And then he would come back in. He'd have to take off the linen clothes, and then he'd have to wash himself up. So all this stuff is going on. It is quite a process that he had to go through. But what did it really do? All this was to cleanse them. They could have a day where they were cleansed from every single transgression, every single crime, and every single sin that they ever committed during that year. By the way, did you notice who had to do it first? The high priest. No one was exempt, right? They're all human beings. I want to look at Leviticus 16, 29 through 31. So this is more towards the end of that chapter. It says it is to be a permanent regulation do you notice that? So that's why we're doing this today. It's a permanent regulation for you. On the 10th day of the seventh month, you are to deny yourselves and not do any kind of work. And this is what I was talking about before. This next section says both the citizen and the foreigner living with you. Does that mean you go off to all these other countries? Do you see Israel going, hey, no, you guys need to stop. It's not like that, is it? It was in their own country that they're doing this. And I think that's a good rule for us, too, as believers. We don't need to go around pushing this on people. But in our own houses and here, this is what we do, right? Verse 30, it says, For on this day atonement will be made for you to purify you. It's so good to be clean, isn't it? If, if you want to dig more into that, read Psalm 51 and see how important it is to have that pure heart. It says that you will be clean. The purifier, you will be clean before Adonai from all your sins. It is a Shabbat of complete rest for you, and you are to deny yourselves, as we mentioned before. And as it says again, this is a permanent regulation. 
Well, that brings us to our last W, the fifth Y, or fifth W, it's why. Why, why do we do all this? I mean, it's one thing to say, I understand this, I'm going to do this, but I need to really understand it. And a good understanding are those who do the will of the Father, right? So some of what we're doing today is helping us to understand this whole process. I think that's one of the important things I hope you get from looking at what the high priest had to go through. It's a process, right? You can't just walk up to the Lord whatever you want. There's a way that it needed to be done. You needed an intercessor. You need a high priest that could do this. Not just anybody could go in there. It had to be a Levite, and it had to be a son of Aaron, right? And it had to be the high priest, not just any priest. So the fifth W is why. Well, it's to make atonement in the holiest place, in the tent of meeting, as I mentioned, also the altar. This was for the high priest. It was for his family. It was for the priests themselves in all of Israel. Everybody had uncleanliness. Everyone had turned guest, and everyone had sin. Like I mentioned before, did you notice that everyone needs this atonement? No one's exempt from it. So now, what, doing things like offerings made by fire, how do we possibly do that today, right? What does that look like? We're, we are fasting. We are acknowledging this day. We're having a holy convocation, but where's the burnt offering, Right? And I think an interesting thing, if you look back during the times of Yeshua, were they still doing this? Absolutely. Yeah, they were doing this. In fact, after Yeshua died, resurrected, and ascended to heaven, were they still doing this? Yes, very much so. It was in 70 CE when the temple was destroyed. No more, right? And since then, there has not been. Uh, maybe some people did some things on their own, but then again, it's where the Lord called it to be, right? It's, it was with Aaron, it had to be the high priest, right? It wasn't, you can't just go off in your backyard and do this today. I mean, you could. I, please don't do that. It's a bad idea. Well, I did some research on this, and according to Dr. David Stern, he's the one that wrote the Complete Jewish Bible. He had some pretty good commentary on this, and I appreciate what he shared here. He said the first century rabbis, they, they got together and figured out, well, what are we going to do with the temple being gone? So they made some substitutions. I mean, if you can't do anything, should you do nothing? Obviously not. You want to serve the Lord the best of your ability, right? And I respect what they did. So they came up with three things that you should do. This would be to replace the burnt offering. The first one is tefillah. Can you say tefillah? Tefillah is prayer, right? We hear it in teflin. We hear it in um, even the Psalms, right? And then the next one is teshuvah. Can you say teshuvah? Teshuvah is repentance, to turn away from evil. And if you didn't get a chance, I would encourage you to listen to the Shabbat message. Rabbi Michael did one the other day, because it was Shabbat Shuvah. Did you guys catch that? It was Shabbat Shuvah, and we talked about repentance. You know, it's one thing, you want to be atoned for your sins, but if you aren't truly repentant, I mean, where's the atonement in that? How can you come before the Lord when you haven't even got right with your brother and sister? It, it doesn't work like that. Uh, so, the, uh, so far, I like their list. Do you guys like their list? Is prayer a good thing? Yeah. Repentance. So we got tefillah, we got teshuvah. The last one, and I, if my Hebrew teacher's here today, I know she's probably going to laugh because I say it with American accent, tzedakah. Can you say tzedakah? I think she, I, will try, I will try and say it the way she would, but I'm not going to. But she's a Sabra from Israel, so she notices all these little uh, details. But Zadok is charity, and that's giving. And I think that's an important factor. So all of these are wonderful, but 
If you go back, we looked at Leviticus 16, we looked at Leviticus 23, well, sandwiched in there is the answer to all of this, and it's in Leviticus 17, verse 11. If you could pull that up, it says, for the life of a creature is in its blood, okay, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for yourself. So that's why God gave us these creatures to make atonement for ourselves. So if you read the next part of this, it says, for it is the blood. It's the blood that's actually making atonement because of the life. So without that blood, you really aren't celebrating this day entirely. Would you guys agree with that? When we looked at all the requirements that we read through the scriptures of what God wants, these are all his instructions. They're not mine. Here's what he said to do. He said, get together and do these things. Well, without the blood, how could you possibly do this? Well, that's really where I get to the segue of what we're all here as a Messianic Jewish community. It's Yeshua. Amen? It's Yeshua. And without his blood, what kind of a holy convocation do we have? It would just be a holy convocation, but it would not be complete. Prayer is wonderful. Repentance is wonderful. Zedakah, charity, that's wonderful. But without the atoning blood of Yeshua, it's incomplete. And you could, you could look at this and say, well, how does that work? He's, he's a human being. It says here you have to give a bull, you have to do this. Well, let's go into that a little bit. I can tell you as a child, there were things that confused me in the Bible. Anybody ever been confused about things in the Bible? Anyone still confused about things in the Bible? Well, I'll tell you, I think it's a long lesson learned. As we read through the Bible, what happens? We get we get questions answered, right? And I would encourage you, if you're not, start. We're starting a new cycle, right? As we go through the Torah readings, read through the whole Bible. Make it a goal. As you read through the Bible, you get questions answered, right? But what else happens when you read through the Bible? You get more questions, right? Every single time, without fail, you get a question answered, but then you have more questions. And as you're going through, now you've got another cycle. I think that's the beauty of reading through the Scriptures is you get these questions answered. Well, I can tell you there were two things that really confused me as a child. One of them was, how did Yeshua's death fix our sins? That never made sense to me as a child. You know, how could that happen? And the other thing that really confused me, I, anybody try to read through the Bible as a child and just like stop and like, oh, this is so hard. Well, I, I would get to Genesis 22, and every time I'd get there, I just, I don't understand this. Why would God tell Abraham to give his only son? This is such a big deal. But really, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. It is a big deal, isn't it? He gave his son, and, and, and he was willing to do that to atone for sins. God said he wanted a sacrifice, and he told him right there, and he did it. Well, praise God, God made a way there, didn't he? What was in the thicket? A ram. What are we just celebrating? Yom Teruah, right? What are we blasting last night? Ram's horn, right? Or maybe it's a kudu horn, but you get the idea. We're blasting this in remembrance of that, and really, what does it connect? I mean, we just read through in Genesis 22 on Yom Teruah, right? And it connects us. We're in this 10 days of awe. We're on the 10th day right now. And how does that connect us? It's a wake-up call. Look what the Lord did. He provided a sacrifice for Abraham, and Abraham's a blessing for the whole world, and the whole world is going to be blessed through him. And it points to Yeshua, and he even had his head caught in a thicket of thorns, didn't he? For us. It's not something we should take lightly. I'm so thankful for that, that he did that for us. You know, just like uh, Yeshua and Yitzchak or Isaac, is miraculous births, right? 
Both of them were beloved by their fathers, as I mentioned, and both of them were tested. But only one lived a perfect life, and that's Yeshua. You know, as we go on, Yeshua, he came here on earth, and he paid a price for all of our sins. And it is his blood that actually atones. You know, and if we think that we haven't sinned, like I said, read through that list last night and tell me where you have not failed. I, I can show you scriptures on all kinds of things we don't have time to go into, but it's clear all of us have sinned. We're in a fallen state spiraling down since the Garden of Eden. If you think about it, atonement's even mentioned in Genesis. Have you guys noticed that? We, it, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, what happened after they sinned? They tried to cover themselves, right? They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. They thought, well, I'll get something organic. I, don't, I, need, I feel naked before the Lord. I can't be before Him anymore because of my sin. I need covering. And what did the Lord say to them? Your covering that you made for yourself isn't going to do it. You're going to need my help. You're going to need my covering over you. What did he do? He provided animal skins, right? It doesn't specifically say what animal skin it was, but I, I'd like to think it might have been a lamb. You know, you could see it, clearly there's a skin involved. And if there's a skin involved, don't you think there's probably blood too? I can't imagine taking skin and they're not. <laughs> I doubt it was snake skin, right? That doesn't seem appropriate. That's the last thing they wanted after that. They get me far away from that snake. Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing is Yeshua is that perfect covering. We see that, and that's why I said, when you can look at Leviticus 23 with the whole picture in mind, when you look at Pesach and you see that he's the lamb that's on the doorpost, he's providing that covering. As you come out of the world and you're coming into, out of Egypt and you're coming into your walk with the Lord, you see that you have to live not by bread alone, but by every word, and you need that unleavened bread. And he was that perfect unleavened bread, right? He lived a life without sin. He's the only one that could possibly make atonement for us. But then you see that they, they messed up, right? They got all the commandments, and they were, they were doing okay, but then what happened? They came down, and all of a sudden, there's a golden calf, right? How did this happen? It, it's kind of sad because... The Lord wanted to use all the firstborn. Did you guys notice that? He wanted every firstborn to be involved in this, but you see the Levites stepped up, and they took action. They said, who's with the Lord? And Levi said, we are. And it's sad. I mean, this is not a glorious thing. I don't rejoice over this. 3,000 of our own people were killed by our own people and because of what was happening there. We can't worship God our own way. We have to do it a certain way. But uh, you start looking at that, it was intended that everyone be involved in the priesthood, is what I see. And you look at this, even the priest himself, he had to make atonement, as I mentioned before. All the people every year, well, Yeshua is that great high priest. And that's what I want to leave you with today. As we look in Hebrews 4, 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great Kohen Gadol, a great high priest, who has passed through the highest heaven, Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we acknowledge as truth. And what do we acknowledge as truth? Scripture, right? We, we, anything else that doesn't line up with Scripture, it's not acceptable. And I think you look throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you see Yeshua. He's right there throughout all the prophecies. Hebrews 9, 25 and 26 says, Further, he did not enter heaven to offer himself over and over again, like the Kohen Gadol, who enters the holy place year after year, with blood that is not his own. 
Verse 26, for then he would have had to suffer death many times from the founding of the universe on. And this is why we can celebrate Yom Kippur in a complete way today. It's this next part. But as it is, he, this is Yeshua, has appeared once at the end of the ages in order to do away with sin through the sacrifice of himself. Praise God for that. Hebrews 13 continues on in verse 9. It says, do not be carried away by very strange teachings. Remember what I said to you earlier, acknowledge what's true. Well, if you want to get into the, the true teachings, it's in the Word of God. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of strange teachings out there that people will even connect with the Word of God. Be careful. Not everything you hear is legit, right? You don't want to be like Aaron's two sons going off and doing some strange fire before the Lord. It says, for what is good is for the heart and to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. I thought that seemed appropriate. Anybody else agree? We don't need to be thinking about food today. So I appreciated that verse. It says, people who have made these the focus of their lives have not benefited thereby. You know, fasting's okay to do on other days too. Just by the way, you don't have to just do it on Yom Kippur. It's okay. Verse 10, it says, we have an altar from which those who serve in the tent of meeting are not permitted to eat. Verse 11, the Kohen Gadol brings the blood of animals into the holiest place as a sin offering, but their bodies are burned outside the camp. This is the most beautiful part, I think, right here. Verse 12 says, so too Yeshua. He suffered death outside the gate. I mean, it's literally pointing to him. If you have time, read through Hebrews. If you got some free time today and you don't have a lot going on or you get some free time, listen to or read the book of Hebrews. It's so powerful. It just points to Yeshua being the high priest. So two, Yeshua suffered death outside the gate in order to make the people holy through his own blood. That's what he's doing for us is making us holy. It's nothing that we've done, right? The Lord has provided a way through his son. Verse 13, therefore, let us go out to him who is outside the camp and share his disgrace. For we have no permanent city here. Guys, we might be in this world, but we're not of the world. Amen? For we have no permanent city here. On the contrary, we seek the one to come. Through him, therefore, let us offer God a sacrifice of praise continuously. And I think that's something it shouldn't just be today. Every day, take time to thank him and praise him. For this is the natural products of lips that acknowledge his name. Do you really acknowledge what he's done for you? It should be a daily process to thank him. Verse 16, but don't forget doing good and sharing with others. Remember what we talked about earlier, Zadaka? That's good to do things for others, right? It's good to pray. Did you notice that was in here too, right? It's good to repent. All those are still good. Don't forget doing good and sharing with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And like I said, read through all of Hebrews, but I love how this ends right here. I think it is connected. You could say, well, this don't have anything to do with it. Well, it's right there. Obey your leaders. Guys, don't be doing strange fire out there. I can tell you right now, there's stuff out there that we should not be doing. Don't do it. Stay away from it. Submit to them, for they're watching over your lives. And by the way, leaders have to render an account. So don't make it a task that's burdensome with groaning. Make it a task of joy for them. Amen? Because it's no advantage to you. So I want to conclude with just reminding you, Yeshua, he's alive. 
You know, we looked at this banner last night when Rabbi Michael had finished the message last night. This is really what it's about. This offering would have to continue all over and over and over again if he did not live because it would be one death. No, he's, he's alive and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. He's been buried. He's been resurrected. By the way, for 40 days, he's teaching his, his disciples, right? He was here. There was over 500 witnesses that saw Yeshua. It's not just some made-up thing. Right? Historically, you can see this happen. But he's ascended. He's sitting at the right hand of God, and he is coming back. And I hope that we're remembering that. So one thing I will say about atonement, there's actually a couple words in there. It's at one meant. We need to be at one. We need to be in unity. We need to be in unity with each other. But first of all, we need to be in unity with the Lord. Figure out what he wants us to be doing. And then be doing that with each other and be in unity with him. All is one. And if you think that's just my idea, it's not. Yeshua, before he died, that was his request to our Heavenly Father, is that we would all be one. You know, if you want an extra homework assignment, read John 17. It is so powerful. That is the final prayer. It's the longest prayer we have from Yeshua in the Bible. With that, I think I would like to have us go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could come together and have a holy convocation. Thank you that it's complete by the blood of your son, Yeshua. What a blessing it is that we can come to you. Lord, I ask if there be any spot or blemish in us, that you would search our hearts now, Lord, that we would be clean before you. Lord, we repent of all the wrong we've done. If there's things that we still need to do to repent, Lord, please make those obvious to us. Help us to get right with our brothers and sisters. Help us to love our brothers and sisters the way you want us to love each other. And help us to love you the way you want to be loved, to worship you the way you want to be loved, to be about prayer, to be about repentance, to be about charity and giving, but also to be about realizing that that blood came at a very high price, that you gave your son, your beloved, that you love so much, and it pleased you to do this for our sakes, because you loved us so much, Lord, all the way back from the Garden of Eden to the present day and forevermore. Thank you for this love. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.